let me take us back. I just realized when you said on stage you've been doing this for 50 years, I first met you with Buddy Holly and all the guys of the Everly Brothers, all that lineup, unbelievable. Everybody did two songs, and if maybe uh, you got a lot of applause, you did three, remember? That's right, I remember very well. Could you tell us all how a Canadian named Paul Anka got a big break? Well, I just um, left home and I went to New York City and went around the record companies and found ABC Paramount and I cut with them. How do you write these songs? I mean, does it all come to you just like that or, or what? That's it, it comes to me just like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I just want you to straighten out something for me. It's been said that you wrote that song, It Doesn't Matter Anymore, for Buddy while you were on the bus traveling across the country. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we used to do, a, as I said on the show tonight, we'd sit around and have nothing to do for eight, ten hours. So we'd sit down and write and get ideas and prepare it. And I started that song on a bus. And I had a lot of dialogue with Buddy because he, he was really uh, thinking of changing his style. He'd had some problems yeah. with the manager, so on and so forth. So. Uh, he said, I want to do a string section, and I'd like to do what you're doing, and I just wrote it. That was probably the first guy that I wrote for, which became my pattern in later years, writing for other people in situations. I was reading Gord Atkinson's book, uh, 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 Dear Disc Jockey, uh, in the days when all the DJs and the talent, we were all kids together, if you remember. People say, how do you know Paul Ankin? How do you know Buddy Holly and Elvis? I said, you look at the photos, we were all kids together. And the relationship was different, Paul, than it is now. Totally. Wasn't it fun, though? We could tell people that. Yeah, I think there's a, a different fun today, but in a very serious time. I think, you know, people have to realize that the business was in its infancy state back then. It was a day of innocence. Uh, the pitfalls and the kind of dynamics that prevail today were non-existent then. And the professionalism was all different. And of course it was fun because it was new to all of us. People are today a little jaded, they know what to expect, they don't know what to do with their success, they're given too much too soon. Mm -hmm. Even though in relativity I was given a lot, 300 bucks a week was a lot for me back then, but we were just raised and educated differently. Uh, and the fun was universal with everybody. Today, I don't, I don't quite know what it is, I'm sure they've got their own kind of fun, but it's just, uh, it's different. The other thing is a dear friend of mine and yours, Bobby Darren, I used to have a, a booking agency and I, I brought him up many times. Tell me something, the connection between you guys, you did rock and roll one minute, but I could see in both of you at the time that you loved the big band, the swing, you loved that, uh, that power of a big band and, and pop music. Uh, that must have been difficult because, I mean, you were a rock star, so was Bobby. How, how did you guys make that transition? Well, even in concept, uh, as we made hit records, we had to go out and tour. Now, what we would tour with were not the session musicians. We would be have a big band behind us emulating and hopefully articulating what we got in the studio. The real question became, what are we going to do with ourselves? Because one has to realize that in the 50s, when you looked at everything in the environment, it was just these cool cats in Vegas. There was no heavy rock as we knew it. I mean, at one point, you know, hard rock guitars were non-existent. So once we started talking and saying, where do we go from here? Do we want to do this? We were, we were very much taken with those guys in Vegas and Sinatra and the Rat Pack. And we said, well, that must be the place to go. We didn't know what it was uh, going to be after that. And it wasn't really difficult because we were weaned on it. It was around us. It was a desire that we had. And it was an easy evolution for uh, Bobby and myself. Uh, where it really got a little interesting was the, 
you know, the early 60s when the music started to change yes. and, and the Beatles hit and it became more amplified. I mean, that's when we really were tested as to how do we last, what do we do? And uh, it became a chore for a lot of people. But you are an unbelievable survivor and success story. You look at a lot of your contemporaries, and we won't go into that, but many of them did not make it, Paul, but you've always had that drive. I was reading in Gord's book, is it true that you were like me in school? You hated it, you couldn't wait to get out and do your thing? I liked some of it. I mean, the girls were cute. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I liked a few of the classes, but I was going to be a journalist and worked at the Ottawa Citizen with uh, Editor Finn, who was a neighbor. I got thrown out of shorthand class, a few classes, and I took music because I found I loved music. So I was uh, looking to get out of school, but I was looking to really pursue my passion and the dream that I had in a time where it wasn't easy. You know, I was rejected in Canada, I mean, rightfully so, because there weren't a lot of avenues, and I knew I had to go down to the States to make it happen. And um, I just felt that school would come later. I did finish high school to please my parents, but I knew college was not in the cards. And once I hit it at 16, and got very lucky with Diana, I knew that my life had changed, and uh, it was just a different chapter then. But you're a guy I use uh, when I go out and talk to young people as a, as a personality here to never lose track of your dream. Don't let anyone say it can't happen. Because I'm sure, in, just in my own radio career, modest of course compared to yours, but you never gave up either. That's the whole thing, determination, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's important, um, you know, don't listen to the last person that you talk to all the time. You've got to stay focused, keep your eye on the ball, and believe in yourself. Uh, it, it's all about that, you know, attitude and belief and what have you, because it's a difficult, difficult world to succeed in. And once you get there, it's even more difficult. So I, I just didn't listen to anyone that rejected me. I kept going and going because I knew in my heart that I had a shot at it. And I think most successful people realize that. For more legends, visit me at redrobinson.com.